Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Elevate You Pod. I know it has been a while, so we're going to go ahead and reintroduce ourselves again. I am Mary. I am Diego. And I'm Stephanie. And we are your performance consultants. It's so good to be back on with you guys. I really missed you. Yeah. I know it's been a while. It's been too long. It has been too long. I know we've gotten some requests to uh, do a lot more of these. So I know that we have all taken different paths and and taken new tasks and and done new things. So very exciting stuff, but we really want to do more for everyone who's listening and and we're going to work really hard to stay on top of these for you guys. On the last time we spoke, we talked about gratitude. So I know for me, exercising gratitude and and really making that a part of my day has helped in so many different ways. And I'm hoping that a lot of you who are listening also was able to take something great from that episode and really make it a part of your life. So on this installment of Elevate You pod, we will be talking about a doozy, attention management, which in my perspective, I think a lot of what sports psychology is ultimately end up, ends up doing is increasing the ability for individuals to manage their attention a lot more effectively, a lot more efficiently, ultimately to keep your head in the game, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. I know when I was talking to my husband about this particular topic, you know, he's one that says, man, I really need that. And He's one that, you know, does a lot of different things throughout the day. And so being able to help him maintain that is going to not only help him to stay engaged, but it's also going to help him, I think, to really build those connections as well with the people that he's interacting with. And we'll talk more about that. But yeah, um, I don't think people realize that managing your attention and just attention control in general is happening pretty much from the time that you wake up to the time that you go to sleep at night. Everything is vying for our attention. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, us talking about it today is going to be super helpful for, for a lot of people. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? When you mean, when you talk about, you know, from the moment we wake up, can you give some examples so that our listeners can really understand what we're talking about here? Sure. Um, when I wake up in the morning, Immediately, I, you know, I have my phone on my nightstand and I have like billions of emails, texts, messages that I go through. People start calling. Uh, The dogs are barking, asking for me to take them out. My own body is telling me I'm hungry. I need to go eat. And it doesn't stop there. When I get on the road, start driving, very obviously, the road is commanding my attention. If I turn on the radio, that's also commanding my attention. Now I have to look for an address for XYZ thing I need to do. That's commanding my attention. So it sounds like it's stressful, but for one reason or another, I'm able to manage my attention in this way that it's not overwhelming. And the reason or another that we're going to talk about now is how to do that. I think it's it's a credit to to us as a species, I guess. I don't know, to get abstract, maybe too abstract. But at some point, we all realize or understand on some level that there's so many things ultimately trying to 
demand our attention, our focus for any given amount of time at any given time. And it's deciding for ourselves what's what's most important, what's worth dedicating attention to. But before we get into some practical tools of how to effectively manage your attention, I think it's worth it to spend a bit of time talking about what attention is, or at least thinking about it in a way that might be different than what most people consider what attention is. From our backgrounds, we all come from sports psychology. And one of the more, I would say, popular and probably most studied concepts as it relates to attention is thinking about it in the context of two different dimensions. So I guess really four when you, when you think about it. So our attention can be either external or internally focused. So by external, what I mean there is everything that happens in the world outside of our of ourselves, really. So the environment, different people around us, different items around us, different tasks around us. Or on the flip side, it can be internal. So the things that are happening inside of our bodies, whether we notice we're hungry or we notice that, you know, there's a, a weird pain in your wrist or something like that. That's what I mean by internal. So on the uh, additionally, our focus can or our attention can be either broad or narrow. So by broad, I mean like you're able to shift your attention to multiple things across a short amount of time or narrow, meaning you're highlighting one or two different things. Uh, and trying to remain focused on those few items. And depending on what the situation you're in or what the task is you're trying to accomplish, you're going to find yourself shifting between external, internal, and between narrow and broad, depending on what the situation calls for and, and what need what you need to focus on in order to execute to the best of your ability. Or, you know, sometimes it's just just to survive whatever you're experiencing at that point. I, th I think it helps to get everybody's mutual understanding to realize that these are the dimensions that really are most affecting us and how we how our attention really operates. Another way that I think that could be helpful is thinking about attention or your focus as like a flashlight. And in particular, though, the, the beam of light. You can adjust the focal point so that the beam of light will illuminate more items at any given time, but not as intensely. And then the inverse is true where you can adjust the, the focal point so that the beam of light is spotting or highlighting one or two items, but on a more intense way. And that's really how our attention tends to operate in any given moment. And particularly when we're trying to perform at our best, whether it's at work, sport, having a tough conversation with somebody, all those different things, our attention is going to be crucial in order for us to perform at our best and knowing what the situation calls for and how we need to adjust our attention. Flashlight is going to be important to, to getting the results that you want to see. So how do we do that? Let's, let's give a really good concrete example. How do we do that? How do we shift from broad to narrow or from external to internal? How do, how do we do that? It, it happens even when we're not super conscious about it, just because like naturally that's how our, our, our minds can, can function. But you can think about it in the way of four different ways that you're trying to pay attention to what's happening to the, the task at hand, to the performance that you're trying to accomplish. So if you are operating or your, your, your focus flashlight is focused externally and on a broad scale of items, so what you're doing there is really trying to scan the environment, take in the information there, 
and really trying to, to understand what's happening around you. So that's, that's one instance. Another instance is you can then shine the light internally, but still in a more broad sense. And there you're trying to process the information that you might've taken in from the outside world and start developing a plan or a course of action to execute going forward. And then from there, you can stay internal, but then narrow your focus on one particular strategy or course of action and start to mentally rehearse that, start to, to prepare yourself to engage in that particular strategy. And then what ultimately you can end at is being external and narrow. And that allows you to focus on one or two things on the in, in the external world that allows you to generate some type of execution, allows you to complete the task, allows you to to move on to the next portion of that performance, what have you. While I did go in a specific order, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Our attention shifts and should shift depending on what the situation calls for and what's going to allow us to perform at our best. So there's no set order, but as you can probably realize with the way I was describing the different situations, you probably want to have like a plan before you actually execute or act on whatever task or performance that you're trying to to get good quality from. So a lot of it comes down to probably previous experience and what you've noticed to maybe there's a timing aspect to the performance or you've in the past, you paid attention to one thing and that didn't really serve you well. So now it's time to try a different cue, a different focal point, so to speak, and see if that helps with the the next iteration of whatever performance or task that's that's in front of you. But the idea here is in order to really manage your attention, you have to be able to shift between external, internal, shift between broad and narrow in a really smooth and effective manner in order to to say for yourself, at least, that you can manage your attention well. And that way, ideally, you'll see at the very least your true ability, your true skill level as you perform in that, that job task in that, you know, that, that match for whatever sport or in that conversation that you're, you're trying to have, that's, that's tough with somebody you care about. So is this a quick process or do you spend a lot of time in each of these quadrants, if you will? I think, um, overall it's a very quick process, but for us to feel like it is a smooth process to us, it might take a while to get there. So practicing, that intentional shift to make it more streamlined. Perfect. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted to mention about practicing, making sure that we're we're doing that to to make it more streamlined, like you mentioned. Perfect stuff. Yeah. I mean, it really goes back to that first example that I gave. You're driving and you want to put on the radio. Well, maybe now I'm a pretty good driver and I don't necessarily need to pay as close attention to some very minute things while driving. So I can enjoy the radio. But when I was first driving, I needed that radio to be completely silent because I needed to put all my concentration on making sure that I'm not hitting other cars (laughs) and stopping at stop signs and red lights and not hitting a a light post or anything like that. I was not a good like first driver. (laughs) For me, it's like, it's like, I need to turn on the volume so I can see better. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You know, why do we uh, turn the volume down when we're looking for a specific address? It's because we're not familiar with that neighborhood. So 
we need to make sure that our attention shifting is working. And by cutting out that one stimulus, which is the radio Mm -hmm. helps with that shift. I do that when I see an ambulance coming. I don't know why, or if I pull up on an accident, I have to turn the radio down and maybe that's it. Maybe that's because I need to focus on what's happening. What's, you know, what could potentially be going on here? Yeah. Well, I think we should have said this in the beginning too. Like our attention is limited. There's no such thing as multitasking. What you're doing is you're shifting your attention to multiple things in a smooth and probably very quick manner. So it feels like you're paying attention to multiple things at once, but the way our brain operates, that's just not possible. Uh, And at the same time too, as it relates to our brain, you can think of like the attention that we can dedicate to things as like a a jar that has a a finite limit. At any given point, we can really only hold between seven and nine items in our short-term memory. And that's essentially our attention span right there. Anything more than those seven to nine items, depending on who you are as a person, probably going to be left by the wayside. It's going to go in one ear and out the other or whoosh right over your head where at any given point, you might have to decide what's worth paying attention to and what's not be a lot more intentional with that. You know, I used to think that I'm a really good multitasker. The busier I am, the better I can, I can do all these things at once. I'm really good at this, but in actuality, I'm not good at all of them at the same time. I can't manage all of that. There's so many things vying for our attention that like it would drain us to constantly attend to everything. (laughs) And that's why people who think they're good at texting and driving are not. There's lots of research that shows our uh, reaction time and just how distracted we are just is super detrimental whenever we're preoccupied with something else while driving. Uh, and like depending on who you talk to some people are like you shouldn't be listening to music or podcasts either which is you know a little bit ironic considering the platform we're currently on but right anyway i'll leave that there but a lot of people do that that's what they do on their drive home to decompress or on right. their drive into work you know if they have a, a decent commute oh i just in a podcast or i have quiet time i have you know whatever it is so right and but the thing is that's also what leads to like i'm sure everyone's experienced this at some point where you're going home from work, all this, like you got in your car and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're pulling up to your driveway or the street that you live on and everything in between, you don't really have a super solid memory of. It's kind of like you just skip time. And that's because you weren't paying attention as, as intently as, as you could have been or normally are. Uh, and maybe you had a particularly tough day that day at work or what have you, you're tired for whatever reason. And that's a consequence of that, which to me is like kind of scary, but. Uh, yeah, I wish that happened for me. My commute's awful these days. But. <laughs> I did want to uh, bring up how our own thoughts, that part of our internal attention, also takes our attention. Like, if you're if you're maybe nervous about something or anxious about something, and you're thinking about it a lot, that ends up taking a lot of your attention when you're at work, when you're with family. And so of like different things that vie for our attention, our thoughts are definitely one of them. And I just wanted to to state that on here, just so you all know, you all listening at home. And I I think that's just so interesting. And to me, it's funny because the one way to control your attention is via thoughts. At least that's one of the best ways. But at the same time, like you mentioned, Steph, our thoughts can pull our attention away from 
where it should be. There's <laughs> at least the potential is there for that to happen. There's a very fine margin that we're operating in that sometimes it's hard to, to stay on that without pulling away from where we should have our focus on or just not allowing our fo- or allowing our focus to run wild depending on you know whatever just happens in, in our environment. It really is like a balancing act that for the most part, our brain is pretty good at managing for us but sometimes we we can't we can't do it all on our own like just baseline if we put in that effort though that's where we can exercise that attentional management so speaking of having to do this on our own and like manage our attention now's a good time to go into some of the strategies or some of the the ways to make it a bit easier to control your attention whenever you need to whenever you have Something important, something that's of value to you on the line. So the first thing, which is should be a no-brainer, but it's getting the right amount of sleep. There's so much research coming out that tells us sleep is so important. Uh, and it, it affects just about every single bodily system that you can think of, that you can name, and the ones you can't name as well. Getting between, honestly, I'm pushing for eight to nine. There's research that shows seven hours still results in cognitive decline. It's just our brains are so good at at capping us and then telling us, oh, yeah, you're fine. You're operating at 100% when that's not the case. You're operating at like, I don't know, arbitrary number, like 80% of what you what you could cognitively. Within the cognitive functions, attention is in there. So that's being directly impacted by not getting enough sleep. So eight to nine hours. So some other things too. Going back to Steph's example of like already in the morning, as soon as you wake up, there are things trying to get your attention and like demanding it. There should be some type of warm up period, just like you wouldn't jump into like a run at a you know intense pace just from the get go without any without doing any stretching or any warming up. There should be the same process for trying to at least get intense focus when you want it. So a lot of it has to do with a bunch of different biochemical things in our body. So the main three being epinephrine, acetylcholine, and then dopamine. In order to utilize those three particular biochemical, it, uh, that's what allows us to transition from like a, a really shallow, less intense, less intentional form of attention to a more deep, a more intense, a more intentional type of focusing. So in order to, your body can't just like switch it on. So it's, it's next to impossible without having that, that warm up period. Otherwise it's, it's just, you're not going to get the results that you want to see. And then it, it might be like a little discouraging. Cause it's like, why can't I turn this on right now? When I, when I want to, there has to be a bit of, of a warm up period. So don't start trying to do everything you need to do all at once especially if it's early enough in in the day or your day. And that's where starting to pick things up in a more gradual sense and being intentional with a more gradual way, not trying to add on too many tasks at once. That's what's going to help transition your, your body system from not being able to focus intently to focusing exactly where you want it for how long you need it and shifting at any given point that you have to shift practice is going to be important. And that's where realizing focus and managing your attention is a skill. And there has to be deliberate effort put behind it in order to, to really see the results you want to see. So I'm always going to harp on, on that particular point. Agreed. Okay. So another thing to help with understanding attention a bit more so we can harness it a lot more intentionally 
is realize we can really only go up to about 90 minutes of intense focus at a time. And it tends to be, it's, it's not a hard 90 minutes because everybody's different. But when you look in the grand scheme of our body systems, like a lot of things are in increments of 90 minutes. So it's like our sleep cycles are in increments of 90 minutes. And also speaking of sleep, there is a warm-up period to our sleep process too. So there's non-REM sleep, which is the warm-up to our deeper REM-oriented sleep. So another thing to consider too. At the same time, another thing to understand too is that we need to see, remember that analogy I use or that metaphor, whatever the right term is for our attention as a flashlight. There are going to be instances where it's seemingly out of your control in terms of how wide your attention goes or how, how broad it goes versus how narrow and then which direction that beam is, is focusing on. So whether it's internal or external, it's, it's just going to ebb and flow at some point. So whenever that does happen, it's hard to not get discouraged, but that's going to be the main takeaway from, from that particular point. Especially if you haven't really put too much time behind trying to manage your attention, you're going to expect to see or should expect to see that occasionally you're going to hear something in the background that, that takes your attention away from that task right in front of you. And that's okay not to beat yourself up and not to chalk it up to a failure in attention management. It's just, it just happens and it's going to continue happening for the most part because we're all human and that's just, which is what happens. And instead of trying to beat yourself up about it, it's acknowledging when your attention does shift and then shifting it back to what you want to focus on, which that seems pretty straightforward and seems relatively easy, but I assure you it's not always easy because we have our phones. (laughs) <laughs> and our phones are the ultimate attention black hole thing. Yeah, agreed. I'm actually glad that you you mentioned that. I'm going to jump in here really quick. You would think, you know, kind of like you said, that it does seem easy, but I think that that's the skill right there is jumping back into that focus. Right. Again, like it can be easy to tune into something as interesting or as new okay. in our environment, like our phones or like, you know, you see an animal outside the window and it's like, what is that a squirrel? What is that? Is that Bigfoot? Whatever. <laughs> Once you realize that's not what you should be focusing on, can you get yourself back to what is important? And that's boring academics or, you know, (laughs) or, uh, you know, some report you got to file up for your, your immediate supervisor or something. I don't know. So within that 90, 90 minute span, you could expect to see, it's not going to be a perfect, like, I'm going to be ultra focused on this thing, this task, this performance for 90 minutes at a time. And I'm going to focus on nothing but the performance and what it needs for me to perform my best, because that's not realistic. Also, I should mention these cycles are called ultradian cycles. So kind of like a spinoff of like our circadian system, but circadian is surrounding the day versus these ultradian cycles are much more of a shorter burst of time. So if that's something that you wanted to, to look up separate from this podcast, I should also mention too, within these 90 minute cycles, you should be including a warm up period within the 90 minutes. So however long it takes, whether it's a few minutes, five, 10 minutes, then you're down to 85, 80 minutes left of really intense focus being achievable. At the same time too, once those 90 minutes pop up or 80 minutes, whatever you're capable of, of doing, there should be a break involved. There should be something less attentionally demanding, less mentally intensive that you should be working on. So whether it's like, you know, going to wash your hands or something like that, cleaning the dishes you have in the sink, or maybe that's just me or going out for a walk, <laughs> something that doesn't require a lot of focus. And that also includes not looking at your phone. 
Oh, I was just going to ask that. So during that break, we should not be on our phones. Correct. Why is that? We love that. Because our phones demand so much focus from us, even though it might not seem like it. Yeah. At some point, it's not going to allow your body to to reset and to rest just like it would need to if you're trying to uh, to do multiple sets of exercise. Like, sure, you can for a certain amount of time just rip through different exercises, uh, like one right after the other. But at a certain point, your body's going to fatigue to the point that it can't do anymore. Same idea with your attention. It's going to be even more difficult if you haven't done any of the previous practice or work behind it. But at the same time, our phones are the ultimately designed attention-seeking things ever. Like good luck trying to get another intense session of 90 minutes after looking on your phone for a 20-minute break. If you can do that, more power to you, but I don't know how sustainable it will be. (laughs) And let us know about that if you do. Yeah, yeah, please write in, call in. I don't know. So you can think of that as like deliberately defocusing. That's, I think that's a good way to look at it. Okay. Another thing that I thought was interesting, but it does make a whole lot of sense is research has done that individuals who are under a certain amount of stress will be able to increase their focus, their quality of focus. And a lot of it has to do with, uh, with epinephrine and with acetylcholine and adrenaline. Uh, so a lot of that has to do with an increase of epinephrine, increase of the biochemicals I mentioned earlier, uh, including adrenaline. It allows us to take reign of that flashlight that is our attention a lot more intensely. Because if you're stressed, I mean, if you think about it, there's there's some importance or some value that's placed on the task or performance that's in front of you. And at that point, it's it's more of a necessity to to be able to intensely focus. But there's also a physiological thing that happens that allows that intense focus to take place. So I'm not saying like whenever you're trying to, to get work done to release a bear in the same room you're in, because I mean, that would certainly create stress for me. But yeah, at least a little bit. Maybe, maybe it would help me perform better. But at the same time, going completely stress-free in, in some instances may not be the best or the optimal conditions. So what, what that means is if we we talked previously in past episodes where a, a lot of the what we experience in terms of emotions and in terms of physiological experiences stems from the thoughts that we have. So if you connect those two dots, you can create a thought that leads to a sense of maybe stress, maybe it is a bit of anxiety, not too much, Mm -hmm. but something that allows your body to experience a little bit of fight or flight. So that way you're allowing your body to set the conditions so that you can focus as optimally as you can for as long as you need to. Now, with that said, be careful with like doing that type of thing, because research also tells us if we're in a constant state of fight or flight and it's at an intense level, for some of us, it can be difficult to return back to baseline. And that's ultimately what we do want to see. So this is like a little asterisk (laughs) with this particular tool. And I think this also explains why some people consider themselves as individuals who work really well under pressure. They can focus pretty intensely because of there's a deadline or there's, you know, maybe a promotion or something's on the line with the quality of this, of this next performance. And that adds an extra layer of stress that maybe is at an appropriate level for them to perform or focus at their best. I'm not saying to go around and like doing everything last minute and procrastinate as much as possible, which is probably not going to be super beneficial in the long run, but it does explain some of the, like the stories that you hear about people performing better when there's a deadline or pressure approaching in some way. But ultimately what you do have in control is your thoughts and being able to include some element of 
important, some element of value to the task at hand, which can help increase your ability to control your attention in a in a positive way or productive way. Last thing I have is a topic that we touched on previously, which is mindfulness. So mindfulness, depending on who you talk to, for, for a lot of people, it's really all about controlling your attention. So with mindfulness, we tend to approach it by incorporating some type of diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing exercise. So let's say it is inhaling for five seconds and then immediately exhaling for five seconds and doing that in a repetitive cycle. And then we tell you like the focus is, or your focus should be on the physical experience of breathing. So feeling the air fill your lungs and feeling the air completely exit your lungs and what it feels like for your lungs to be empty, what it feels like for your lungs to feel full of air. We don't provide those instructions with the only intent being giving you a better understanding of what your lungs feel like. It's more so giving your brain a specific target to focus on. What you're doing there is training your attention. That's ultimately the end goal of mindfulness. Granted, with mindfulness, there's a, a, a lot of it is in the context of being in the present moment, which ultimately, if you're performing and trying to perform at your best, you should be in the present moment and not worried about what happened in the past or what could happen in the future. The idea is to control your attention in the here and now and on, on specific things that you want your focus to be on for an appropriate amount of time and then being able to shift it from there. Mindfulness is a great way to, to train up your ability to control your attention. And we did a whole episode about it. So there's that too. Go back to it, go listen to it. And based off of what you heard from this episode, see what works for you and try one or two strategies. Don't overwhelm yourself. But if the end goal is to get better at controlling your attention, being really focused when you want to be focused, then there are some immediately actionable things here to help start building and start putting you on the, the trajectory to be better at controlling your attention and hopefully see better performance uh, at whatever you do. So while we have strategies and stuff to, to help with building attention management, I think it's worth talking a little bit about what can get in the way of smooth shifting of your attention. So it's circling back to what Steph brought up in terms of our thoughts can pull our attention away from where it should be, which is a little bit ironic considering thoughts are also what puts our attention to where we want it to be. But the thing is, different thoughts can change either our emotions or physiology, more than likely both those things, then that's what can cause like a fixation or hyperfixation on one or two things. And honestly, that's what the process of choking is in sports is, you know, people become hyper-focused on one thing, whether it's, you know, the fan section during a free throw because they're right behind the net. And that's all you can see is like some dude who's painted up looking all kind of wild. And that's all you're focusing on. Then you're probably going to tense up a little bit. You might start feeling the stress of the situation and you'll start behaving in ways that you haven't practiced or your movements become a a lot less smooth. And that's what results in choking. That's what can result in not performing at your best. But that's why taking control of your thoughts and your attentions can be so crucial, especially in those like crunch points in during a performance when for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's make or break. It influences the, the path of that performance in a significant way. But if you want more help in terms of being able to, to get more strategies or just help in general with attention shifting, attention management, that's where you can reach us and we can talk through some stuff and give you some more actionable steps. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Thank you all for uh, tuning in today or 
whenever you're listening to this conversation we had about attention. Hopefully you, you can take something from today's podcast and implement it in your life to help you shift your attention more smoothly. And if you need some help, don't be a stranger. Feel free to reach out to us. Before I turn things over to Mary, I do want to congratulate her on behalf of myself and Diego. Uh, She recently passed her dissertation, so she is now Dr. Mary. Thank you. Round of applause. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, We do want to thank you all so much for listening. Hopefully you heard something today that you can use to elevate you. I know that focus attention is a topic that has been talked about a lot in my new arena, as well as, you know, some people in my life. So um, if there's anything more that you want to hear on the topic, please feel free to reach out to us. We absolutely love your feedback and we love hearing from you. I know it's been a while and we will do better at providing more topics for you and and responding to those emails as well. So get those sent over to us. You can find us on Instagram at AZ Sports Psych and to follow the podcast, you can also find us on Instagram at Elevate You Pod. Our email address is elevateyou at azsportspsych.com. And again, we really do love getting those emails. On our next episode, we're going to talk about catastrophizing. I know um, I've heard a lot about that recently with some people talking about, gosh, I just really spiral out of control and I don't know how to do this. So this is one of my favorite topics. So hopefully you guys will find it as interesting as I do. Practicing these skills, I have learned that catastrophizing just sucks the energy out of you instead of making the situation better. So that being said, we look forward to launching the next podcast on catastrophizing and hope you all are doing well. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye all.